Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Have you ever been in a situation where you're having a conversation with someone and they try to bully you? (laughs) Usually, they know that you're right about a subject, and instead of trying to defend their position or see the merits of your side of things, they start attacking you. And maybe not physically, but in their words and in their tone and even maybe their demeanor. Maybe you asked a question they, they couldn't answer or asked for something that they did not want to give you. Uh, my wife is a, is a member of a local library board. Uh, it is one of the ways that, that she's just able to make a difference in our community. This board is not used to attention <laughs> or even controversy. They have operated for years just just having their meetings and then going about their business. You know, maybe listening to a report from a library about how wonderful their you know, their Pride Week display is or whatever, you know, but that that's about the extent. Well, that was until they let some some people within the system start drag queen story hour. You may have heard of this and we'll probably do a podcast uh, in the near future on it, but basically it's where drag queens uh, dress up and they come in and they read these interesting books to uh, little children. Uh, This brought all kinds of attention, obviously, from concerned parents and citizens. And my wife just recently joined this board in the middle of all of this and has been asking the administration some questions. You know, uh, you know what answers that she gets? Oh, well, that question and request is a, is a district thing, not, not a board thing. (laughs) So in other words, you stay in your lane, having your little meetings and, and approving your little minutes and leaving the running of the library up to us, the experts. (laughs) <laughs> it is so condescending. It's it's almost unbelievable. It's 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 maddening to be honest with you. They will even say things like, "If you have any questions ab- about things, uh, don't request the the paperwork or or the data. Just ask us, and we will tell you what's happening." In other words, you are too stupid, you moron conservative to understand such lofty things as data. (laughs) Now, my wife is a highly educated, accomplished woman who has been a manager and works with data every day at her job. But that doesn't matter to them. It it reminds me of of former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe when uh, he was running for uh, re-election as governor. Um, and, and when he said that he didn't think, quote, parents should be telling schools what they should teach, unquote. I mean, <laughs> just the, the gall of that. I, I, I ran into that attitude all the time in my 10 years as a school board member. I, I would get comments like, you know, we have to do this because not all parents understand. <laughs> of course, the situation 
to do, you know, what what uh, what they wanted to to have done uh, was of course without parental consent and things like this. So you know that they they understood you know your children better than the parents. Um, they were the the child learning experts and the ones that knew best what the children needed. That that attitude was really uh, prevalent uh, th- throughout the system. And and let me stop and say that not all teachers had this attitude. But what I can say is that it was very prevalent in, in the educational system, uh, you know, throughout the educational system. And it seemed like maybe even the higher you went in grades, the, the more prevalent it was. I, I don't know, you know, it, but it, it was all over. And, and, and more, the more liberal the person, the more it showed its ugly head. Um, there, there is a name for it, and it's called leftist elitism. What is leftist elitism, you ask? Well, the uh, conservapedia.com has what I think is is the best definition. I, I like this one. It says the liberal elite is a term used to describe those high ranking members of society politicians, college educators, and and celebrities who regularly promote the liberal agenda to unsuspecting teenagers and young people. The liberal elite believe they are superior to others, not in a physical sense, but in mentally, uh, but mentally they, they claim to be on high ground and they declare that nobody dare challenge them. They arrogantly believe and proclaim that if anyone challenges the liberal elite's thinking and beliefs, such challengers risk being ridiculed. <laughs> I, I think that's a great, great definition, if you ask me. Um, many of you now are, are, of course, nodding your head in agreement, right? I mean, you can see it. You've seen it before. You may have experienced it before. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Heck, you, you you see it all the time from from this administration, for instance. They will say there is no inflation. You are are too stupid and, and a conspiracy theorist to think that there would be inflation. And then they can't deny it, of course. And they will say things like, oh, yeah, uh, that inflation. Um, no worries. It, it's only temporary. And then when it keeps getting worse... <laughs> The, the they'll say uh, how how good it is that we actually have inflation. I mean, how why would you think that's a bad thing? Uh, you see, you are just too dumb to understand what is best for everyone. Leaving the leave leave the the heavy lifting up up to us is is the attitude, of course. Uh, here is here is a great example of ju- just the other day. Pete Buttigieg tells. Uh, Americans, how they can channel their pain at the pump. Uh, this comes from Ben Zeisloff, uh, and it says Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg told Congress Tuesday that uh, Americans could reduce the burden of high gas prices by buying electric vehicles. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. The comments before the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee occurred as members of the Biden administration took a victory lap over a marginal decline in gas prices. <laughs> they, they basically reduced and, and, and put on hold the, the federal gas tax. And then when 
the price of gas came down, they're like, hey, look, look at us. Wow, we're doing wonderful things here. <laughs> not, not mentioning the fact that that prices at the pump are now 89% higher than at the beginning of his term. Biden argued on Tuesday that his actions are working and prices are coming down. <laughs> and then, of course, this was after we were told that Biden had nothing to do with gas prices going up. I mean, how can a president have anything to do with gas prices, they told us. And then suddenly they come down a few cents and, oh, wow, look at us. We're doing wonderful things. Oh, man, President Biden's awesome. Meanwhile, Buttigieg told lawmakers high fuel prices will lead more Americans to rely on alternatives. Here's, here's, the, the, here's the great quote from him. Quote, the more pain we are experiencing from high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. That's what Pete Buttigieg, your Secretary of Transportation here, that's what he said. So you're saying, and this is this is a this, this is a representative, Carlos uh, Jimenez, who's a, a rep, Republican representative from Florida. So, he, I mean, if, if I was there, if I was him, if I was Carlos, I <laughs> I would be questioning things too. So he says, so you're saying the more pain we have, the more benefit we're going to get. <laughs> he says, I think that's what I heard you say. <laughs> He's dumbfounded. And of course, here's here's uh, what Pete Buttigieg had to say, the failed, uh, failed member, uh, mayor. He says, of course, uh, no, uh, no, that that's not what you heard me say. <laughs> I know you want me to say it's so bad, but honestly, sir, what we're saying is we could have no pain at all by making EVs cheaper for everyone. <laughs> Wow. Republican Thomas Massey, he's a, uh, he's a representative from Kentucky. He told Buttigieg that charging electric vehicles would require several times more energy than running the, the typical household air conditioning, a, a reality that complicates the Biden's administration's goal of 50% electric vehicle adoption by 2030. Nevertheless, Buttigieg and his colleagues have argued repeatedly that Higher use of clean energy is a silver lining to rising energy prices. The people, this is a quote, uh, the people who stand to benefit most from owning an EV are often rural residents who have the most distance to drive, who burn the most gas, and understand urban residents in areas where there are higher gas prices and lower income. This is Pete Buttigieg said last year. He said they would gain the most by having that vehicle. These are the very residents who have not always been connected to electric vehicles that are viewed as kind of a luxury item. Well, yeah, it's sixty-seven or $69,000 a piece. That's what I consider a luxury item. During the week of, um, of, of President Joe Biden's inauguration, the national average price of gasoline was $2.38 a gallon. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the, an, an increase to $3.53 per gallon was uh, achieved by the week that Russia invaded Ukraine. Prices surpassed $5 a gallon in early June before subsiding to $4.49 a gallon just last week. Now, 
the White House, which nixed expansions to the Keystone XL pipeline last year and has been uh, accused of, of dragging its feet on, on uh, issuing oil and gas permits, of, just flat out that's what they've done, has asserted that Putin's price hike is responsible for rising inflation in recent months. Quote, Putin's price hike hit hard. Uh, high gas prices at the pump, energy and food prices accounted for around half of the monthly price increases. And gas pump prices are up by $2 a gallon in many places since Russia troops began to threaten Ukraine. Biden actually said this in a statement last month. He said, even as we continue to work to defend freedom in Ukraine, we must do more and quickly to get prices down here in the United States. And of course, you know, he, he's, he's gone to Saudi Arabia, uh, which he accuses of all kinds of atrocities, uh, to go um, groveling on his knees uh, and asking them to increase uh, the, the oil production uh, there uh, in the Middle East. So what these leftists think, and obviously Transportation Secretary Buttigieg is saying out loud, he's saying the, the quiet part out loud, is that your pain of higher inflation is your problem because you still drive one of those gas-powered cars. If you would have taken their advice and purchased a $67,000 electric vehicle, well, you know, you would not be in this mess. So it's your fault. You're just too dumb. This is only one example, though, of the smugness of the liberal elite. I, I ran across a blog written by an African-American Democrat, yeah, written six years ago. And it is really interesting to see what, what he has to say about leftist elitism. And in, in this blog, he sa- it's, it's entitled the, the Culture of the Smug White Liberal. And he says the, the truth is that liberalism is about making elites feel better about themselves and their lives without requiring the underlying action of significantly improving the lives of African-Americans. This, this is written by, by Nikki Johnson Houston, uh, Esquire. He's, this was uh, published in the uh, Huff, Huffington Post uh, back uh, in August 17th of 2016. So like I say, it was like six years ago. He said, I have spent my life as a Democrat which probably isn't that surprising considering that I'm African-American. One of the things that always attracted me to the party were the ideals of equality, fighting for the little guy and our openness to differing opinions. But But lately I have seen my party take a turn that makes me uncomfortable. Somewhere along the way, we stopped fighting for the little guy and became the party of the smug, Uh, educated elites who look down on those with less education and deem them unable and unworthy of being able to make personal decisions for their own lives. As an African-American professional uh, from humble beginnings, I, I know firsthand the importance of giving everyone an equal opportunity to access the American dream. I, I don't take lightly the opportunities I have been given, or the fact that many people, black and white, fought for and sometimes died for me to have these rights. I mean, a lot of this, he doesn't sound like a liberal, to be honest with you, but 
He goes on, he says, I also have serious concerns about the lack of progress that I have seen for many African-Americans. And I blame some of that lack of progress on ineffective liberal policies that have based that are based upon wanting to help those in need, but in many instances end up causing more harm than good. <laughs> he actually goes on to identify many issues facing the black community. And then after addressing those, he says, all of these issues are some of the most serious problems we face as people and our culture of political correctness and liberalism has not only not solved them, but I believe has made them worse. I'm thinking about the cocktail party liberals, the elites who wear the the cloaks of liberalism and and protect themselves from criticism and so they can keep their clear consciences. My problem with liberalism is that it's more concerned about uh, policing people's language and thoughts without requiring them to do anything to fix the problem. White liberal college students speak of, of safe spaces and trigger words and microaggressions and, and white privilege while not having to do anything or more importantly, give up anything. They can't even have a conversation with someone who sees the world differently without resorting to calling someone a racist or homophobic, um, misogynist, um, bigot, and, and, and trying to have them banned from campus or, or ruin them and their reputation. They say they feel black people's pain because they took a trip to Africa and helped the disadvantaged, but are unwilling to go to a black neighborhood in the city in which they live. These same college students will espouse the joy of diversity, but will in the same breath assume you are only on campus because of affirmative action or that all black people grew up in poverty. My personal favorite is declaring with surprise how articulate a black classmate is, despite the fact that we are attending the same institution of higher learning learning as they are. The white liberal culture encourages talking about diversity and shaming others for their alleged racism, but Many times they themselves work in environments that are mostly white. When questioned, they'll defensively state that they promote strictly on they were promoted strictly on merit. Black people aren't uh, suggesting that we want someone unqualified to get the position, but I find it telling that they assume that we are not qualified. These same liberals are quick to be against school choice while their kids go to private and well-regarded public schools. Leaving poor black children behind in underperforming schools and providing less opportunity to improve their lives is inconsequential to keeping true to their white liberal politics. Many people are quick to espouse the political value of liberalism without having to live with the often harsh reality of those policies. Race, gender, religion, and sexual orientation are, are such difficult discussions to have, and many of us don't get it right. And I, and I love this. You have to listen to this next part. This is really, really good stuff. He says, but my problem with some white liberals 
aren't that they sometimes get it wrong. It's their profound lack of self-awareness coupled with the smugness and the self-righteousness that they use to lecture others. So good, right? So good. White liberals, he continues, have hijacked the conversation about diversity, political correctness, and and what topics we should be outraged about. When a terrorist attack occurs, uh, the media and the liberals rightly remind us that it's unfair to judge an entire religion based on, based by the actions of a small minority. But I haven't heard similar unequivocal statements made in the media about the African-American community being unfairly judged by the negative actions of a few. The media lectures about intolerance of the right, but it is the first to show the mugshot of a young black suspect while showing the much more positive yearbook photo of a young white subject. In fact, the criminalization of American African-Americans, especially men, have been turned into public policy in large part because of our negative portrayal in the media, which is predominantly filled with white liberal voices. So for so long as a black American, I have been told that the problem is conservative Republicans. While I admit they have made a, 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 may have done little to try to improve African-American lives, they also don't promise to do every election season like the liberals elite do. Instead, we have given our loyalty and votes to Democrats who paternally tell us they want to help us. But we have little to show for it since blacks started voting Democrat back in the 1960s. I have never lived in a city as an adult that was run by conservatives or Republicans. But I live in the biggest poor city in the country, Philadelphia, a city for decades run by liberal insiders. The city of Philadelphia is going through a renaissance thanks to the demand of young white millennials who want to live in vibrant urban areas. We have a thriving higher education community, one of the country's best restaurant scenes, and Home values that and rent prices are going up while 10-year property tax abatements make owning new and renovated homes in the city an attractive financial investment. We are an unapologetically liberal city, and you can't be elected in this city without black votes. But why is it that the black community is not benefiting from the same renaissance as their white liberal counterparts? It's ironic that the liberal elites proudly proclaim the inhumanity of deportation, which would break up the families of these immigrants, but they are more than happy to justify the need to send black men and women to prison for minor infractions, thus separating the families of American citizens. Where is it the outrage, where is the outrage for for our families? Oh yeah, you can take the African American vote for granted. So you don't need to do more than pay lip service to our concerns. White liberals posting on Facebook about hashtag Black Lives Matter, white privilege and supremacy are not cleansed of the hypocrisy and elitism because they use the right hashtags. I would argue these same people to get off their 
iPhones and look around to see the issues they ignore in their own lives. I would, uh, if you're one of these people, before you cry out in offense, ask yourself where where you choose to live and, and how many of your neighbors that you know are people of color. Where do you, where do your kids go to school? Who uh, are your friends and colleagues? Who do you see next to you while you're in your meeting at work? What have you done to change those inequalities? Have you recommended a black friend for a job at your company or told them about a house for sale in your neighborhood and, and recommended a talented black child go to your child's school? Answer these questions honestly, and you'll realize that you might not be who you think you are when it comes to racial issues in this country. Are you part of the group I'm referring to as smug white liberals, and you don't even know it? Suggesting that blacks stop being Democrat or liberals would be a waste of my time, but what I'm suggesting is that we require white liberals to do more than pat us on the head and tell us that they know better. Free programs aren't enough, nor are they actual, actually free for African Americans. Remember Eric Garner, the man in New York that died from a chokehold uh, selling loose cigarettes? Well, that enforcement order was created during a Democratic mayor and Democratic governor administration. If the, on, if, if the only um, conversation we're requiring them to have about us is about keeping us out of prison or getting less jail time, then we are so far behind what I'm, that, that I'm not even sure that, that we're able to catch up. We must take control of the narratives about our issues because white liberals are talking about things that may make you feel better but are not improving the quality of life for your family or our community. Everyone that would tell your children to do something that they wouldn't tell their own children is not your ally. While these conversations driven by the elites are seemingly sympathetic, they will only keep our children at the bottom and uncompetitive to their own children. The truth is that liberalism is about making elites feel better about themselves and their lives without requiring the underlying action of significantly improving the lives of African Americans. Now, I will say this. Obviously, I don't agree with everything he says in this piece. You know, him and I differ, obviously, on on quite a bit when it comes to um, racism and and how to uh, go about fixing that. But... I think he has hit the nail on the head when it comes to liberal elitism. I mean, he has he has gone directly, swerved right into the truth here. These people truly think of themselves as better than everyone else. That's that's just very obvious. They look at themselves as the smartest people in the room leave things up to them and they will take really good care of you and your family. You don't have to worry about it. Just this, we're going to make everybody equal. We're going to give everybody the same things. Everybody's going to have all the, everything's, it's all going to be wonderful 
if you just trust us to be in power. They know that you don't understand the complexities of the issues. You are not bright enough for that. You, you only disagree with them because you're just that ignorant. I mean, it's the, the, the condescension that comes from the leftist elite is just, it's just dripping. So here in this, in this blog, Nikki wrote this article over six years ago. And, and it was, it was really obvious then to him. And I believe when they were given even more power, when, when leftists were given even more power, they should, they showed even more smugness and elitism. I mean, it, it didn't when they when they got got their power. They didn't say, "Oh, okay, well, we're gonna now that we have power, we're gonna uh, everything's gonna be you know great. We're gonna kind of calm things down." And because I've always said that liberals, when they get out of power, they they get really kooky, <laughs> and and usually that's true. So you think with you know the reverse is true, right? If they if you put them in power, then maybe they're not so kooky. No, nope, that's not what happened. President Trump was elected and actually furthered policies that brought the African-American employment rate to an all-time low. He did the things that liberals promise. Did the, did the leftists learn from that? No, not at all. It, it, not by a long shot. Instead, we have this administration telling us that, that our pain is really good for them and their agenda. It's like when Nancy Pelosi thanked George Floyd for dying. She thanked him for giving his life for their cause. Let's think about that the next time that we go vote. And again, you may agree with this. You may disagree with this. You may even have a story about this that would be really interesting. I'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.